passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. But first, today's episode is presented by who else? BetOnline.ag. Look, BetOnline, it's been with us all season long and also had you covered during the holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Football continues its march through the college bowl season right into the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports action this season. So what are you waiting for? Head on your mobile device right now. Sign up today. Receive that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE. They've made it easier for you. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, to receive that bonus. Basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season because BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all those new, those new offers available right now because it's BetOnline where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. Happy New Year. It is 2022. We can officially begin the season of Justin Fields moving on and forward into the future. We're here to break down the Bears' final regular season game of the season against the Vikings as the end credits begin to roll on this particular season, and we look forward to hopefully a very exciting offseason. Let's bring in my co-host, former Bears defensive end, Box 32 Chicago's very own Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's going on, my man? Another week about the Bears, baby. We got one more. We got one more. (laughs) Yeah, we got one more to go. Um, Forgive us, we might not spend too much time on some of the matchups on the field this week. I think me and you, maybe we can both agree that we just kind of hope nobody gets hurt, right? Let's uh, exactly. let's get it, let's get out of this game a little bit clean if possible. Um, I do want to start with some news and notes, especially coming off of a victory, a very resounding victory against the New York Giants. I mean, Corey, we both said they were going to win by more than 10 points. I mean, that was – if you feel bad, Chicago Bears fans, about this season, just remind yourself you're not a New York Giants football fan right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, my that, friends from New Jersey, oh, they're hurting. They're hurting. They, they have been oh, – yeah, Corey, can I even can I even ask you? Can you even like give them crap? Can you give them a hard time, or is it kind of no, like lay, lay off them? It's too. I, it's I gotta too lay much. off. Them. It's too much. Like the pandemic and then the Giants being bad the past couple of years since the pandemic hit. It's just like they're like, well, in 07 and eleven we won it. So cool, Eli, Eli. I'm like, all right, cool, cool. You can have yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got the 85 Bears, too, as well. Let's all you know. Let's all sing a song about that while we're at it. Uh, so the Bears are coming off a victory. Corey, I do want to get your take on a very, very big piece of news, though. It was a record-breaking news over the weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, this season's up the track, but let's just talk about Robert Quinn one more time, Corey. Yeah. And again, for you maybe joining us for the first time on Believe in Bears, thanks for coming on in the Bear Den on this one. But, Corey, in the preseason, during training camp, 
His number one bounce back player, his X factor for this season was Robert Quinn. He said he was going to have a huge bounce back season. And I was like, Corey, how big of a bounce back season? And you were like, huge, double digit sacks, 12, 13, 14. Well, lo and behold, he is now the all time Bears sack leader in franchise history, passing Richard Dent. And he's not done yet, folks. He's got his eyes on 20, maybe, against yeah. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings this weekend. Corey, just take a victory lap, man, and talk about Robert Quinn and maybe kind of walk us through again. Why you thought he was going to have such a big bounce back year? And, I mean, he's even has he even surprised you just a little bit because you were right in his corner. You know, I, I think it definitely surprised me just the level of burst he's had this season. But I knew he would bounce back and have at least double digits. I didn't think it would be 18, you know, <laughs> possibly going for 20 this season. Um, but it's been remarkable. I knew last year he was kind of banged up. He didn't seem like himself. He didn't have that same burst off the edge. And I just, I just knew he was banged up. So I said, this offseason, he's going to take everything personal and really showcase like, hey, I got to come out and showcase what I can do. I signed a big contract. You know, I'm opposite Khalil Mack. I'm getting a lot of one-on-ones. And last year, I didn't win. And look what he's been able to do without Khalil Mack for half of the season. It's been unbelievable. He has really put this pass rush on his back. In year 11, you know, they say people get slower. Um, the sacks decrease as you get older. I mean, ages ain't none but a number for Robert Quinn. It's been impressive to see and breaking Richard Dent's single season record. I mean, that's just incredible with in itself, you know, Hall of Famer Richard Dent, you know, one of the Bears all time great, one of the all time great pass rushers in this league. So it's awesome to see Robert Quinn. And who knows if he keeps stacking up a couple more years. I mean, it looks like he could play for another four or five years, in my opinion. And if he can give you 10 plus the next couple seasons, hey, we could be making an argument that Robert Quinn deserves a place potentially in the Hall of Fame. I mm, think I think you can argue that, you know, I think if he if he has another double digit season next year, imagine Khalil Mack being back. Right. And him being 100 percent and Robert Quinn. What's to say that he can't go for 18 or 20 again next year? Right. He, he looks great. I his, his burst is there. I mean, his effort's there, and, and usually you don't see that in guys at year 11. Usually they'll win on rushes, but the effort and burst down the field, him chasing people down the field, that's what I'm most impressed by, and, and hats off to him. He's, he's played a heck of a year. I know the defense has been up and down, but he has been the bright spot for this defense. And along with those sacks, a lot of them have been strip sacks too as well, which you always yes. – I'm sure it's a former Dean Lemon. You love to Get see the ball that. Out. Get that ball out. And it has been so – impressive and really truly a joy to watch and Corey you know you you mentioned it we went we did over-unders before the season started yep. and I threw out a 20.5 between Mac and Quinn combined they went over that you said yeah. over you were dead right you were yeah. dead right on that one too as well and the thing about Robert Quinn that I like moving forward and, and you just highlighted is even last year when he only had two sacks and he was a little banged up he's always been a guy that analytically when you look deeper into the numbers is a guy that was always a big win percentage guy in terms of rushes. And you were just talking about you get up there in your career a little bit. It's a little bit harder to finish. I saw a guy out there really just, you know, laying his body out and we've seen him chase down running backs too, as well yeah. this season. I mean, we've seen him do a little bit of everything and you said he did it without Khalil Mack. Conversely, I do want to get your take on the play of Travis Gibson, a guy who's yeah. kind of come up a rookie this season who I said kind of reminded me the body type and the movements yep. of a little bit of a 98, a Mr. Corey Wooten himself a little bit, and the guy's been flashing at the end of the year. Talk a little bit about what you've seen from him yep. playing on the other side of Quinn and maybe what his future could be with the Chicago Bears. 
Man, I love what I've seen from him. I mean, he's just continued to get better. I, I feel like he's he's made a big jump from last year to this year, and especially with Khalil Mack being out, he's the starter opposite Robert Quinn. So now he has these reps. So I think it's in a season that really, in, in terms of things, didn't really matter that much for the Bears. This is huge for him because he's getting reps, right? So then you have a valuable member to this rotation. So you got a guy that could potentially next year go for 10 sacks off the bench, just how he mm -hmm. continues to improve, right? And then you talk about the rotation, keeping guys fresh, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, him, possibly getting another free agent in there. So then you have four talented passers, and you could shift some of them inside as well. So I think that's that's where you really make your hay in there. And and I always bring that back back to the, the Giants when they made their Super Bowl runs. You look at, you know, O.C. Minora, Justin Tuck, Matthias Kiwanuka, Michael Strahan, Jason Pierre-Paul. Like, those were guys, they had so much rotation there. They had so many ends that they could slide inside. And if you have four really good defensive ends out there as pass rushers that can rush inside as well, I mean, those guards, that's a nightmare matchup. So I just really love what, I, what I've seen from and. The biggest thing I've looked at is, is the strip sacks, right? Because you talked about just getting a sack is enough for some people. But he's looking at Robert Quinn. He's looking at Khalil Mack. Those are guys that get the ball out. And he's been able to have two strip and sacks. And real quick, yeah, how clean Sunday. how clean was that first play of the game, dude? I oh, mean, that's, that's a D-lineman's dream. That's a dream for you, oh, right? Oh, yeah. You know, they slide the protection down, and then you have a clean shot. And Glennon Mike didn't Glennon, see him. He A.K.A. Napoleon him. Dynamite. Come on, man. <laughs> You know, hey, I, I don't know how he did not see that because, you know, when they slide that protection down, when your tackle went down, you got to watch oh, out. Man, he didn't oh, see man. that at all. But hats off to Gibson to get in there in time, right? Because, you know, it's going to happen, but you just have to get there before they can get the ball out. And he did it. Hats off to him. Big play on there. And, and he's just showed up all year. I really love what I'm seeing from him. And he's under contract for another two years after this. So they, they, they have options to be able to keep him here and not have to get somebody else as well. So I really love his progression, and I, I really think he's going to be a rising star in this league, and I think he's eventually going to be a star for sure in this league. Well, and what a great boon that would be for the Chicago Bears because, as we're talking about, Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack, we're pretty sure he's going to be back next year, but they're coming up towards the end of their deals. At some point, you're going to have to supplant that position. That's where maybe a guy like Travis Gibson comes in. And I think of some of the Bears' defenses of the past that really worked. And honestly, man, I'm going to throw you in this category. I think of guys like Mark Anderson, and I think of you on those you know, 2012-2013 teams when you talk about rotational D linemen. From your past experience, can you talk about – because you know, some of that didn't play the game, I feel like it goes one of two ways, right? Like the first way is – when you have that spot duty or you get called upon, uh, the first people think maybe is that it's hard for you to, uh, to establish a rhythm or maybe like find some sort of natural rhythm between you and what the other linemen that you're playing up against. Or for you, was it like, I got all this energy. My ears are pinned all the way back. And when the, the ball is hiked, I'm ready to attack. You know, what was it for you? You know, kind of having to come in when your number's called, get in there and make a play. What was that like to play? You know, it, it was amazing, and I, I, I feel like uh, playing under under Lovey Smith and Rob Marinelli, them just having that attacking uh, mindset, that attacking style of defense, that Tampa 2, it really allowed to take the pressure off you and to eliminate thinking, right? Because the, the first thing you thought about was just get off the ball, and I'm going to react to everything. And my first two years, I kind of struggled with that because I was coming off a, a, a read scheme in, in college, you know, and mm. and... I was trying to get things figured out. Well, my last year, 
we were kind of attacking our last two years, but it was still, you know, a little bit of hesitancy for me. Um, my first two years trying to figure out everything, really trust the defense and things of that nature. And then in my third season, I was just really able to just let it go. You know, and I came off the, the bench that season, you know, was a valuable member of the rotation, had a sack in the first game against Andrew Luck. Um, I just felt like, you know, when, when Rod Marinelli and company told us just to get off the ball and trust everything else, that made everything so much easier because then I, I didn't have to think, right? I knew if I got off the ball quicker, it would make, it'd make put everything in place. I'd be in my gap. I'd be able to get off the ball to pass rush better. I'd be able to react to the play action pass that much better just because of my get off. And, you know, in other schemes and things of that nature, you kind of more reacting. And this, you put the pressure on the offensive line and you had them react off you. So that's what I loved about it. And uh, yeah, I feel like, Every opportunity you have in there in this league, you just have to take advantage of it, no matter what. You know, you can't use any excuses like, oh, I, I didn't get in a rhythm, things of that mm -hmm. nature. Like, you have to take advantage of every rep you have. And that's what Travis Gibson has done. That's what I tried to do, you know, in, in 2012 and 2013. Every chance I got, I just I just had the flash there. And 2013, I had to move inside as well because Henry Melton tore his ACL. Stephen Paya had a foot injury. Uh, Nate Collins tore his ACL as well. So it was something I just kind of had to learn on the fly, you know, just get off the football. And anytime you can show your versatility out there and show that you can play both sides, you can play inside. I think that makes you highly valuable in this league because, you know, you look at, you look at different teams. Now they're running different packages. Like I said, where you can have a defensive end come inside on third down set and rush against a guard and guards really do not like when you have a big guy, six, 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 seven, that's lean, that's quick. And he's strong as well, so that's because kind of, real quick kind of to the layman. Layman guards are typically smaller, right? Exactly. So mm -hmm. tackles are usually six five to six seven, and guards are usually a little bit smaller. You know, anywhere from you know six one to six four, six five. You know, some guards are getting taller, but usually they have shorter arms. That's that's the big thing at the combine. They really look at people arm size for tackles. That's why sometimes they criticize a lot of tackles. They say, "Oh, he's got short arms. He can't do this or whatever." But I think that's that's why it's a really good matchup against a really tall guy that can move inside against a guard. Let's move it over to the offensive side of the ball. Um, I want to get your expectations for Justin Fields, who practiced in full today. We're recording this at 445 Pacific time on a Wednesday. So looks like he's going to go. Looks like he's going to suit him for the final yeah. game of the season. Um, I do want to get your perspective on one thing. I heard a comment uh, from Olin Krutz about what to do in the offseason in terms of the offensive line. His pitch was that the Bears need to go out and spend all allocate a lot of their free agent dollars on a left tackle, a veteran left tackle. He says, yep. he says I think Tevin Jenkins can play left tackle. I want to get someone I know can play left tackle. And we were just talking about big versus small with guards and yep. right tackles. He says, move Tevin Jenkins over to right tackle, move Larry Borum to right guard, and then you can make a decision on James Daniels and Sam Mustafer yep. from there. Uh, from your perspective on the other side of the ball, how does that sound to you, getting maybe a little bit bigger on the interior? Does that help boost our run game? Can that also help boost maybe our pass protect? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I think, um, you know, Olin hit the nail on the head. Tevin Jenkins is kind of up in the air if he's truly a, a left tackle. And I just don't want to get in a situation where it's like an Eric Flowers who played for the Giants, right? They yeah. tried him out at left tackle. They he absolutely got destroyed. They had to move him to right tackle. Then he's playing guard, I believe now. So I, I think Tevin Jenkins is more of a right tackle because of 
He's a really good run blocker. He's really ferocious in there. Um, he kind of just fits that mold, you know, a better, better run blocker than pass protector, um, you know, could really grind you. You could run behind him really well. So I think his fit would more be a right tackle, in my opinion. He could potentially play left tackle if, if somebody gets hurt. But I agree. I think you need to um, get a veteran guy that's proven himself, that is a really good pass protector. And that's all we're worried about at this point, right? We can run to Tevin Jenkins' side. That's, that's not an issue at all. Every team has a, their dominant running side, but you want your left tackle to be, to be able to keep that quarterback clean. And Tevin Jenkins, we don't know yet, you know. He's still young in the game, but I want a proven guy at left tackle, especially when you get your face at the franchise, Justin Fields, you know, slinging that rock every down. Yeah, and I think you're speaking exactly to what Olin was talking about, was I don't think we're trying to denigrate Tevin Jenkins' future, his ceiling, or his talents or anything, but it's more about assurances mm-hmm. of going into next year. It's enough of this, let's see, let's wait and see, let's figure it out. And, you know, Charles Leno, to his credit, has been such a professional over his career, but the guy was a six-round pick. It was always kind of a, let's see if he can solidify the left tackle yep. position. Let's see, let's see, let's see. I think what you're, you're advocating, what Olin is advocating is, let's know. Let's know exactly yep. what we have from that left side moving in, moving into next season. My next question for you is, uh, this is for Bears fans, on a scale of 1 to 10, how seriously should you take Justin Fields' performance on Sunday into the offseason? Uh, I, I shouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it that serious, to be honest with you. I think uh, so. One being less serious, ten being serious. Ten, ten being like, ten being like, oh my god, he's a bust, or oh my god, he's a Hall of Famer based on this final game performance. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I would say I, I, I would take it with a grain of salt, to be honest yeah. with you. I think this season has been so up and down. I don't think you know if if any quarterback that was in there could perform that great with with this offensive play calling so i take it with a grain of salt all i want to see him back there is be comfortable in the pocket i want to see him look at his progressions i want to see him get comfortable with a guy like cole Komet, you know um darnell mooney i want to see him hit david montgomery out of the backfield i just want to see his progressions right when it's not there tuck it and go because that's where he's very comfortable right and obviously if, if matt Nagy and company can run some play actions right get some sprint outs some boots hard play actions the stuff that Justin Fields likes, you know, some screens, some draws, keep the defense off balance. Um, I don't know if they'll do that because they really haven't shown that they have a great offensive game plan for whatever quarterbacks in there. So I'm not really too concerned with this. I just want to see him be comfortable. That's, that's the key word for me, comfortable. And, and I think if he can look comfortable out there with his progressions and reads and limit his turnovers, I'd be happy with that performance. But if, if he doesn't do well, I'm not concerned because I know they're going to put the right people in place to script for success for him for next year. So I'm not worried about this at all. How about you? Well, as much as I'd love to see him air it out and try a couple of 40, 50 yard bombs and, you know what I mean? Try and dazzle us that way. Honestly, I'm just really hoping that he doesn't get hurt. I'm kind of hoping that they do, like you said, really lean on David Montgomery and just try and make the game easy for him. You know, whatever his reads are, whatever you want him to do, even when it is that hard play action, you know, attempt to set it up for him where he can have some success and maybe not have to overthink. I I just don't really want him in a position where he's 
scrambling and we're at 4.5, 5.0 seconds in the pocket, outside the pocket, and he still hasn't decided to run yet, and he's still looking for people, and maybe he either chucks it out of bounds or you know tries to hold on to it, tuck it, and then three guys crunch him. You know, I, I, I would prefer not to have that kind of breakdown where he's trying to make a play, and I'm right there with you. I mean, he could throw... He could throw five touchdowns in the game, and I'm not going to freak out. And he he could throw three picks in the game, and I don't think I'm going to freak out. And even if he does throw those five touchdowns, I don't know if I'm going to be like riding into the off season, um, you know, you know, thinking that we're going to totally turn this thing around. Because I had mentioned before, you know, we had that four game window to build that kind of momentum, yep. and that window came and gone. Right? We saw Nick Foles during that time. We saw Andy Dalton during that time. It just didn't really work out the way that I was hoping or maybe scripting or envisioning in my head. It just didn't happen. So, dude, just don't get hurt. Yeah. Just don't get hurt, man. That's don't get hurt. And honestly, and honestly, if you're Justin Fields, is it hard to tell a player if he gets a little banged up in this game to, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say tap out, but you know what I mean? Like, I really do want him to protect himself as best as he possibly can. He seems like a guy who's really tough. So if he tweaks that ankle a little bit, I mean, be real with me. It's going to be hard for him to pull himself out, right? Someone's got to do it for him. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping that the training staff kind of keeps an eye on that. And if he kind of tweaks anything, they take him out. Because at the end of the day, this game is not important at all. And, uh, you know, I always look back at, like, Robert Robert Griffin, you know, that one game in the yeah. playoffs, right? And the, and the game was out of hand to begin with. And they should have they should have pulled him the way he was limping around. And I know this is a completely different scenario. But your coach and your trainers have to have your back. And if they see something like that, call a timeout, get them out of there. Like there, no game is worth somebody's career. Right. And that, that game really derailed Robert Griffin's career. Right. Yeah. He was a Never rising the same. star in that league. Never the same again. Never the same after that. Right. I mean, yeah, was injury prone after that. Uh, couldn't run the same, you know, was kind of scared when he ran. So I just don't want one game to affect somebody's career. And I'd say that for any game, even, even if you're, even if you're about to to make the Super Bowl, then this this sounds crazy, right? But if if you're in a situation where somebody is is so hurt that they could potentially destroy themselves, you get you got you got to take them out. I don't care who it is, unless unless somebody's just saying, you know, it's one of those old bets like Philip Rivers when he tore his ACL. He's like, you know, just put a brace on. I don't care. Or yeah, or you get know? that uh, what's that that deer antler spray. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think in this day and age, you just have to be smart because you're always one injury away from you not being able to earn a certain amount of money you want or have the, the longevity in your career that you want. So I think you have to protect that. And and sometimes, you know, coaches and et cetera, it goes over their head because if, they, if you're on the field, you're ready to play, right? Even even though, you know, c- certain times you're like, that guy's hurting. And you just don't want to jeopardize yourself or your future for you one game. Yeah, and even beyond the individual aspect, think about it selfishly, Bears fan, just from your own perspective of if something happens to a key player in this game on Sunday – Think about how that's going to affect next season, right? I always go back to, you know, we always like to think of the Derrick Rose injury, right? You know, that happened in the playoffs, and it completely, you know, completely sidetracked that very next season. So, you know, even if someone's trying to work their way back, that's going to be hanging over someone's head all through next season. You want to walk into next year as healthy and as clean as possible for hopefully a new regime, which also is going to, which we're going to get to right now, quick little transition 
Um, Corey, I think next week we're going to dive deep pretty much into all the head coaching candidates. But let's get to the flavor Ooh. of the week right now. Um, okay. This one got you a little excited, Prepod. So I'm excited to yeah. talk to you about this. Uh, the flavor of the week right now is he's just uh, he just finished up his bowl game. Uh, didn't go very well against Georgia, but you know what? SEC football, what are you going to do? Uh, Jim Harbaugh report out there that he could be interested in perhaps being lured back to the NFL. Uh, 44 and 19 career record. 44 and 19 and one, excuse me, career record with the San Francisco 49ers. He's been with Michigan for the last several years. He's been to a Super Bowl before. Right now, the teams that are being ballied about are uh, the Raiders, the Broncos. And the Chicago Bears. Uh, the old former QB comes home. Um, Corey, you know, you've, we've talked about the Ryan Days of the world. We've talked about a lot of other candidates. But when you hear Jim Harbaugh as a possible head coach of the Chicago Bears, uh, what is your reaction? What do you think? And could it work? I love it. I love yes? it. Because look at his success in San Francisco, right? You look at, just, just look at the pieces for the Bears that they have that are very similar to San Francisco's team when they, when they were controlling the NFC West, right? They had Colin Kaepernick at quarterback, Frank Gore at running back, Vernon Davis at tight end, right? So for the Bears, right? We got Justin Fields. <laughs> and and Crabtree. Crabtree's a little Mooney-ish, right? Just exactly. a tiny little bit. Yeah. But I think I think Mooney, better route runner, uh -huh. right? I, I think I think he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he can be. Um, and then you talk about Cole Komet, you know, rising star at tight end. He doesn't have the speed that Vernon Davis has, but look what Cole Komet has been able to do in his second year, he's progressing. He's getting better, and he hasn't even scratched the surface yet, in my opinion. Um, and he can block a lot better than Vernon Davis. And then David Montgomery, who who I think is is faster than Frank Gore. I think he's a workhorse like him. Obviously, longevity we're going to see because Frank Gore that that's what made him so good is that he he could play the way he did for so long. So hopefully, David Montgomery could have that same type of career. But you talk about that offense. And what, what uh, Jim Harbaugh does well, that sounds like a match made in heaven, to be honest with you, right? A run-heavy offense that you can have a mobile quarterback that you can get him on the move, get him some boots, get him some scrambles, rollouts, sprint outs, hard play actions, really control the line of scrimmage. Cold weather football, Chicago Bears. I'm really liking this. Right. I mean, like, it's it doesn't just fit like a glove because he used to play quarterback for the Chicago Bears in the early 90s. There are a lot yeah. of on-field things that yeah. kind of ring true about, A, you know, you want a guy that's going to get Chicago Bears football. I think he totally does that. B, I think he runs the style that I think Bears fans and I think a lot of people feel like with maybe the personnel right now they should run. Mm -hmm. And, Corey, here's my other one. I want to get your perspective on this. Look whose coordinators were when he was with the 49ers. Offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. Right now, Baltimore Ravens. Also possibly a head coaching candidate this offseason. Vic Fangio, current head coach of the Denver Broncos, former D coordinator of the Chicago Bears. I think we remember kind of liking him when he was, uh, when he was running things in Chicago. So just your reaction to either bringing back one or two of those guys, but on top of that, it sort of makes me believe that Jim Harbaugh can identify talent in the coordinator position, which I think is one of those weird X factors of we want to get the head coach right. Well, even if Matt Nagy's the greatest guy in the world, he never really figured it out getting his coordinators, his offensive line coach. It was a turnstile one year after another. Yep. Castillo, he's Stan Helfrich. I mean, also getting the coordinators right is just as important as being a head coach of a football team, correct? It is It is huge, and I think that's that's been the biggest issue. Um 
with with the Bears, right? We had Vic Fangio figured out on the defense. He was holding it down. And obviously, he took the head coaching position for Denver. But offensively, Matt Nagy's play calling never got it done. You know, and I think I look back, even in Lovey's tenure, we can never get the offensive coordinator figured out. Yeah. That was something that really, I think if in Lovey's tenure, if we could have got the offensive coordinator figured out in the 2012 season, I believe we would have been Super Bowl champs because our defense was that dominant. And we just, we just knew that we were going to stop, but the off the, the defense, we could only hold so much. So I, I just wish we could have got things figured out. And I think with a guy like Jim Harborough, you know, think about if he, if he brought back a Vic Fangio, if, if for some reason Denver lets him go or, or Greg Roman, you know, if he, if he leaves, um, I, I doubt that, you know, to, to go to go to his, uh, well, yeah, his can you steal from his brother? Yeah, I know. But yeah. I, yeah, it's more to like uh, identifying talent at that at that position, oh, yeah. which is something I think we've struggled with. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think he I think he gets it. I think um, obviously Harbaugh could call the plays, but I think he realizes, listen, I want somebody to handle that. I'm going to have input on this, but I need I need to go over everything. Special teams, defense situations. And that's something that Matt Nagy has struggled with situational awareness. Right. Taking timeouts, you know, when you need to save them, you know, uh, things of that nature, not knowing, you know, di different sections of the game, you know, and I think a guy like Jim Harbour has that figured out. He had a great system. Look what he did in San Francisco. Look what he did in Michigan. I mean, they're coming off arguably one of their best years and he was kind of on the hot seat because they hadn't beat Ohio State and then they beat Ohio State. So I would love to see him back in the NFL. And I think it, it really makes me excited because playing against San Francisco, the 2012 season when Colin Kaepernick had his first start, yeah, that was the hardest team I've ever played against in my life. Like literally they grinded you out. They had a beast of an O-line from top to bottom. They run the football. They, they knew what they were going to do and you couldn't stop it. And I think that's, that's what the bears need to be offensively and I don't think it needs to be this crazy pass happy offense all the time it needs to be old school smash mouth football get the run game going establish that play action then let's open up things and then you have the defense off balance and I think that's what Harbaugh can bring and I'll be excited for that to be honest with you man I think I watch well, it's intriguing there and, and on top of that, too, what you're talking about, if you have that kind of foundation already in place, I, I, that just feels like an area where Justin Fields then uses his innate athletic ability to make plays in moments when there aren't plays to be made, right? And you can yeah. always lean on that running game. And, yeah, Corey, it's, it's intriguing. And uh, maybe this is a teaser for next week because I think we're going to reveal our power rankings of our head coaching preferred choices for next week. We're going to do our top five, who we'd like to see the Chicago Bears coach next. Um, before we get to uh, final score predictions for Bears-Vikings in week uh, 18 and also the very, very famous backyard popular demand, uh, Corey Stories, uh, I want to ask you, we were texting about it over the weekend, so I want to ask you, I brought up Michael Gallup on the pod last week, and you know what? Oh. What goes happens? What goes and happens, Corey? He tears his, tears his ACL. Um, oh. So we were talking a little bit about you know, what the off-season landscape is going to look like from free agent wide receivers coming up. And, and look, a lot of people get cut, and a lot of stuff happens contract-wise in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, the pickings are going to be pretty slim. Outside of Devontae Adams, you know, there's going to be a bit of a drop-off. You know, Chris Godwin's another guy who's going to be on the market. He's now off the board, too, as well, with the torn ACL. You know what I mean? It just keeps mm -hmm. kind of happening. Um, I'm going to start it like this. Seattle, heading into the off-season. 
we're talking looking at rebuild. People are saying Mike P. Carroll's going to walk away. People are saying Russell Wilson's going to get traded, this, that, the other. The contract's amazing right now, and he isn't a free agent until 2023. My question for you is, is DK Metcalf worth a first-round pick? And would you do that if you're the Chicago Bears and, and your capital right now? No, no. I, I, I think he's too inconsistent. I think he flashes big play potential, and he can make a monster of a play. But I don't trust his hands. He, he drops the ball too much. Um, I think if he can sure that up, maybe eventually. But I don't think he's worth a first-round pick, in my opinion. I don't think he's that dominant of a player. He can be at times. But I just the hands are the biggest issue for me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And, you know, he'll be a free agent in 2023, so he'll have another year to prove it and see if he can get some sort of big money deal. I don't think Seattle would do that because I think he's making – $1.7 million next year. Why would you just trade that, even though you are rebuilding for some sort of capital? You can always get that down the road. But I'm just saying, I'm reading the tea leaves on some stuff, and I'm just saying get ready, Bears fans. Uh, you know, you heard it here first. That's going to be one of the hot rumors I think that's out there. Um, another one that's out there I want to get your perspective on is we talked about a guy like Christian Kirk. Now, this is, I think, I think Christian Kirk is a great fit. Yeah. I loved him coming out of college. This guy's a burner. He can beat you downfield, and now he's starting to get it done in the intermediary game. You know, I think he's about 60 yards short from 1,000 yards. Yep. I personally, I, I could be wrong. You know, I don't think he's a $10 million player. I think he's no. an, a 7, 8, 9 guy. And I think we were talking last week about a complimentary wide receiver room. Yep. What do you think about a guy maybe like Christian Kirk uh, targeting him in the offseason? Yeah, I like that. I, I think he's really come along, you know, the past few years. Um, you look at all the weapons they have there, and he's still at almost at 1,000. So, they're not going to have enough money to, to keep him there. They have too many weapons already there. Um, so I think they're probably going to let him go. But, yeah, I, I would like to see him at the right price because I think, you know, him and uh, Mooney, I think they could be complementary off each other. That's what we talked about. I think sometimes I would prefer that, like two number two receivers. Yeah. Or maybe even three number two receivers that can kind of all share off each other. And, um, you know, I, sometimes when you have the number one, it becomes a headache, right? You know, he's here about the diva number one and he's not happy. And, you know, Allen Robinson really hasn't expressed it, you know, that he hasn't been, that he hasn't been happy, but you could just tell he's not happy in, he's in this situation right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he, he's been, he's been checked out. Uh, you know, he's been on the field, he's been doing his thing, but he's been checked out for a while in the season. And I think he had a, a little minor injury and he probably would have played if, if he was a little happier. And I think, you know, when it didn't work out the way that he thought it would, I think he was like, you know what? I'm just going to wait until I'm 100% healthy now. So I I, I can bet everything he's not going to be there next year. Real quick on him. He made $17 million this year. He wanted $20 million before the season started. What do you think he's going to get on the open market next year? It sounds, I mean, I would guess he's doing a one-year. Yeah, but I, you, I think you, it's a one-year prove it. But, but, but what, what what is that number? Yeah, I think, so, I think somebody will give him twelve. I think somebody yeah. will give him about 12. Because Gall Galladay, I I got, Galladay just got 13 or something like that, 14 last year on a yeah. multi. I, I think like he'll get a one-year 12 with maybe an option if he if he hits uh -huh. certain incentives or he does well you know, to, to a four-year deal or something like that. Because I think he's like a very intriguing prospect because what he was able to do with, with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback and you know Nick Foles and, and this kind of up-and-down Bears – offenses still go for 12 1300 yards it's pretty impressive mm -hmm. but you know i think you know when you have such a bad offense for so long you know you get frustrated and i think that's that's what happened with him and he wasn't getting the targets darnell mooney was kind of becoming the number one receiver 
you know, and I think it just really frustrated him. But I think he'll bounce back next year and and, and have a good deal, um, good year, because I think I think he'll probably be for a team that's really going to target him. And and when he is targeted, he, he makes plays. So I just think with Justin Fields, Allen Robinson wasn't always open the way that Darnell Mooney was. So for a young quarterback, right, that that looks you see when Darnell Mooney's open, that's open, right? Allen Robinson is more the type you throw it, you know, it's there. I'll, I'll go and catch it. But to a younger guy that doesn't look open. So I, I, I think he'll have a good year next year because I think he's a little bit irritated about how this year went. And, you know, usually really good competitors like to prove themselves like Robert Quinn. So I think. Well, yeah. yeah I and now, and now all of a sudden, I think there's a couple landing spots for him that I think are going to yeah. be pretty. I mean, honestly, like all of a sudden now. Why wouldn't Tampa Bay want someone like Allen Robinson next year? If oh, they're yeah. not going to lock up Godwin, if we obviously they're moving on from Antonio Brown, you know, all of a sudden yeah, right. you, know, you need a and guy Mike that can, Evans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you think him, you, you would think that Allen Robinson and Tom Brady can make beautiful music together. You know, there's another guy yeah. like, you know, maybe the Saints or something like that. I think there's a lot what of about places. the Patriots. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Bill Belichick would love that, you know, a, Absolutely. a big receiver. And I think offensive minded guys are going to want to play for a system like that. And, you know, anytime Bill Belichick is the coach, they got a chance to win it all. So mm-hmm. I can see something like that too. No. And, and this is actually setting up in a way where, you know, I was pitching it to you when we were talking about it was, you know, I like Christian Kirk playing off of Darnell Mooney. You know, they both have nice speed. I think Kirk maybe has a little bit more physicality down the field to maybe win on some of those, those balls are going to be up down the field. And then, you know, for that third and six, that third and four, that Allen Robinson type play, you can go out and you can get an Emmanuel Sanders. You can get out and get a veteran, someone that's just going to be a route technician in those short little intermediate areas. And guess what? You could probably do Kirk and Emmanuel Sanders for maybe like, I don't know, 12 million combined. And yeah. now all of a sudden you're saving five from the 17 that you just paid Allen Robinson. And now you can free that up and move other places. My final one for you, um, Odell Beckham, uh, we're, every every team is going to be a, a blog boy is going to write something about, is Odell Beckham a fit, fit for the Chicago Bears? Uh, there's still a lot to play. He's going to play some playoff games. He can still yeah. pump up his value a little bit. What do you think his market value is right now, and do you think at all he'd be a fit for the Chicago Bears? Uh, I mean, I, I think he's probably somewhere around 15 a year right now. Yeah. You know, because I think, I think just his name itself, you know, just, just commands respect, you know, and um, the thing is I worry about him is, is sometimes the number one receiver, the diva, the, the blowups, he hasn't had that in a couple of years, but when he played for the giants that happened, um, you know, I think he has been maturing, um, but I think it's going to be too much for what the bears can probably afford to be honest. You know, maybe, maybe if we could potentially get him on a one-year deal, um, I don't think we could throw big money at him for a long-term contract. I mean, he's still a productive receiver, um, you know, but I just don't know if that's the right fit for the Bears. You know, when you talk about smash mouth football, you know, really getting the run game going, you know, if there's a game where he doesn't get the targets, is he going to be pissed? You know, it's, it's yeah, man. big market in Chicago. Um, is, is he going to be irritated? Is he going to, you know – be moping on the sidelines and throw his helmet. We don't, we don't know that, but you know, I, I much rather have two number twos next year, to be honest with you. And then you look at a Cole Komet, you know, I think he could potentially go for a thousand yards if, if everything is running on all cylinders, because as the season went on, he's gotten better and better. The one thing is if he could, if they can get better at targeting him in the red zone, because I think that's where 
he would have so much value. And that's what would separate him because he's a big body. He's not a burner, right? He's good at getting open, but in the red zone, that's what you love. That's like a guy like Rob Gronkowski, Jimmy Graham, you know, in the, in the end zone, you know, in the red zone, they're able to use their body. Well, um, that's why Antonio Gates was so great, you know, because his mm-hmm. ability to use his body in that red zone and get open. And that's where Cole Komet, I think, provides a lot of value. And he hasn't had the red zone touchdowns like we wanted, but hopefully next year they can really work on that package in that red zone. Touchdowns, singular. Touchdown. He's got zero. Yeah. Zero, Corey. Yeah. The fact zero. that he has zero is malpractice. That's offensive yeah. uh, it's offensive scheme, schematic malpractice. And I think yeah. we only have – I think Jesper's got one, Jimmy Graham's got two, and I think maybe Jesse James has got one, which maybe what that's probably four among yeah. the tight end position that we went so heavy in depth-wise in the preseason. Yeah. That's just not cool. Like It just isn't no. how that's going to work. In terms of Odell, I'm right there with you. I had to ask the question. Um, I'm one of the bigger Odell fans that you'll probably run into. But, again, that is one of my biggest fears is when you're trying to develop a quarterback like Justin Fields, the last thing you need is a third – like the third quarter, it's like a tie game and your wide receiver yeah. is freaking out on the sidelines because he only has five targets instead of eight in a game. And, you know, yeah. a lot of reports out of Cleveland was that Cleveland Browns loved Odell Beckham a lot more than they love Baker Mayfield. So yeah. his mat- his maturity as a teammate might be something that is definitely worth discussing. Uh, but, yeah. no, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that might be an option either as well. And um, But they're definitely going to have to do something in that position. But I think Mooney, Christian Kirk, maybe an Emmanuel Sanders, and then draft Jakeem pick. Grant? Jakeem Grant. Jakeem yeah. Grant, definitely a 1,000% Jakeem Grant. And then maybe, you know, try and hit that fifth. You know, pull that wheel on that fifth, sixth round magic uh, that we've had the last several years and see if you can find another Darnell Mooney-ish type player a little bit further down into the draft. Uh, Corey, man, it's time. It's time to get to our final predictions, and then we're going to do Corey's stories. Uh, Final game of the season, do you have the Chicago Bears winning in Week 18 to get to 7-10 on the season? Yes, I do. I do. I I think uh, this is going to be another tight game. I think uh, the Bears are going to win 24-20. I think it's going to be a really tight, tight one. Um, you know, I think Justin Fields is going to have a strong performance. I think they're going to uh, rely on uh, David Montgomery running the rock. I think they're going to work some of that play action. And I'm just hoping defensively, because um, I think the defense has really improved the past couple of weeks. Uh, Sean Desai's play calling has been much better. He's been really uh, attacking that blitz, you know, keeping that offensive line honest. You know, that's why in the, in the first play of the game, they had to slide that protection down. Travis Gibson has the sack. So stuff like that. That's where I've seen uh, growth from Sean Desai. So I'm hoping that they can uh, win in the tight one, 24 to 20, because the Vikings Bears win, you know, finish the season off strong and uh, Bears fans will be happy going into next season. Yeah, I'm, dude, I'm, I'm with you, man. Uh, they've beaten the Vikings in the final game of the season. I think the last two years in a row now, I think we're going to make it three in a row. Uh, I was going to go a little bit more optimistic on that. I was going to go like 26 to 17, Kind of give it like a weird, a weird wonky number. Throw that in there because who knows what's yeah. going to happen when Kirk Cousins is under center. Um, yeah, I just see two teams obviously not making the playoffs. It's going to be so weird if the Bears actually go seven and ten and the Vikings go seven and ten. Right? That's yeah. they, in terms of where those seasons were going. You know, ours was just downhill for so long, and there seems to be kind of in the balance, ending up with the same record would be so crazy. But I think both uh, both organizations are looking at changes at the coaching staff. And I sort of feel like for whatever reason, this Bears team is playing fairly free 
if I can say that, you know what I mean? Like, it seems like they're a bit unburdened. Uh, Matt Nagy seems to kind of understand where he's, where this is all headed, where this is all going right now. And in a funny way, like, if I give him some credit, like, I think Matt Nagy is actually, like, exiting his tenure with the Bears with some class. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, you know what I mean? It's 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 so weird. And, like, I, I kind of think about this in a weird way of, like, obviously, I think after we lost our fifth or sixth game in a row, we should have canned him right there because that's when you can actually save your season. We can't go back in time. But I will say, though, the fact that they have stuck with him all the way to the end has sort of taken some of the vitriol down. You know what I mean? Just like the whole like screw Nagy, he's the worst. He's the worst coach of all time. It's like it, it's we've been able to all kind of like work through it, like a kid in a tantrum in a timeout in his bedroom where we've all been able to take kind of take a deep breath and like we realize that you know what Matt Nagy is not the coach of our future, but at the same time like I'm not as bleeding red like mad at him as I was before. And I hopefully that leads yeah. to some sort of victory heading into the off season. So that would, you know that would be nice. You know, it would, and, be, it and, would be nice. And I, th I think Matt Nagy, he, he's definitely a player's coach, and I, I, I give him nothing but respect. I mean, he definitely had command of that locker room for, the, for his first couple of years there. I think he, he really lost it this year. I think people stopped buying into him just because of his lack of change offensively. I think that was Allen Robinson thing that, is. Look at yeah. Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think that's that's they really he really lost the locker room, um, and I think. Obviously, that with the play calling, when you lose a locker room, you can't really recover from that. And I think for that reason only, he, he, he's got to be gone. And uh, he definitely will. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, who, who's, who's the next uh, flavor of the week or flavor of the month or year? We'll, we'll see, right? Dude, I got, uh, I got some theories. I got some theories that I'm going to unload on you next week right. for next week's pod. We're going to dive into it. Uh, okay. We're going to get our put our tinfoil hats on. Get all of our crazy theories out there. Uh, but before we get out of here, man, um, I got to hear a Corey story. Um, we right. are playing. We are playing your former team, Minnesota okay. Vikings. You did have a cup of coffee with them. We also you're playing for your, with a uh, former head coach too, as well, Mike Zimmer. Yeah. But you can tell whatever you want, man. Just throw all us right. uh, throw us another Corey story from your playing career. All right. So uh, it's the last game of the season, actually, like this one, and Minnesota's playing Chicago. Right. I'm a, I'm in Minnesota now. So people okay. will say, oh, I'm a trader. I'm a trader. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that season in Minnesota, it, it really wasn't what I thought it would be. You know, I thought I was going to be a valuable member of the rotation. Uh, they didn't really rotate as much as they had claimed they were going to. I didn't didn't get many, uh, many as many reps as I wanted to. I was frustrated. Um, was Jared was Jared been... Allen still there? Was that Jared no, Allen still there? He, going... he was on the Chicago. Bears. He was on the Bears. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just frustrated that 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 whole season, honestly. And I, I got to a point where and I've never been like this. Uh, I got to a point where I just didn't didn't care about anything. Like I was I was walking around the locker room and, and I was just waiting for somebody to try something with me because I didn't care. I was just I was just so done with everything that was going on there. I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. So, you know, if somebody tried to start something with me, I may have started a couple fights at practice. You know, really? Uh, yeah, I got, I got to a point where I was just like, I was just so checked out. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just knew I wasn't going to be there next year. And it just it just was what it was. Um, but, yeah, I was uh, <laughs> I, I feel I feel like people were walking around eggshells uh, around me because I think they were just like, yo, don't don't push that dude. Like he's like Here Grandmaster Flash. 
here comes Corey. Watch out. <laughs> Don't push me, cuz. Um, <laughs> I wish somebody would. That's, that's really how it was. But, um, you know, so at that point, right, I'm just having fun. I'm, I'm literally every practice. I don't have to play scout team, but I'm going out there playing scout team. I'm just trying to destroy whoever is out there, the starting tackle. And I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. And I'm, I'm literally just having so much fun. Every practice is fun. I'm, I'm giving it 110%. <laughs> They're getting mad at me. I'm just like, I don't care. You know, I'm like, I'm just having, oh, calm down a little bit. I'm like, nah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I got to a point where I was just like, you know what? It's, it's, it's done here and I'm just going to have fun. I'm working on my stuff. I'm having fun. They may hate me. I don't care. Um, so, yeah, I was just having fun with it. And then the last game of the season, uh, I actually, when, when I started acting, you know, crazy, that's when I started getting more plans, on. <laughs> right? That is, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy how that works out, right? It, it really is because, you know, you start acting a certain way, then you get more playing time. And the last game of the season, we're playing the Bears. And, you know, I hadn't had a sack all year, and I'm just frustrated. And I ended up getting a sack on, on Jay Cutler, and that's when I hit him with the robot. And then I, you know, I, I, did, I did the old, like, uh, I did the old malfunction, and I started shaking afterwards and everybody was going nuts. Cause I did the Chappelle one. You remember when the guy would just be, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, hit, I hit that and everyone just went nuts. And it was like NFL network was doing like best sack celebrations that year. And I was like up for it. And it was like in this uh, bracket and they kept going all the way almost to the finals and I almost won for, for one of my celebrations. Did you really? Uh, yeah. But it, it, it was, it was a lot of fun, especially to, uh, you know, get a sack against Cutler and, and the old team and Kyle Long and uh, Jordan Mills were laughing about it. They were like, oh, man, that's hilarious. And after that, I was just charged up. That was the best game I had all year. I just felt like I just, you know, sometimes I feel like as a player, when you when you care too much, sometimes it can negatively affect you. And obviously you have to care about your craft and all this. But I was worried, oh, I'm not getting, uh, you know, this amount of reps. And and it got in my head. And, and even times when I was out there, maybe I wasn't performing exactly how I wanted to. And, you know, you start using that as an excuse. Oh, I only had four reps here. And my thing is like, you know, obviously you want to get in the rhythm of stuff, but with, with whatever reps you have, you have to take advantage of. And that's what I said with Travis Gibson. He, he's taking advantage of his reps. And I think any player out there, you know, no matter how much playing time you're getting or not getting when you're out there flash, right? Because that doesn't lie. And, and sometimes as, as players, we get in our head. And in Minnesota, I got in my head and I was like, you know, it affected me because all training camp, all preseason, I had a lights out. And then huh. the first game of the season, I played really well. We played the Rams. I had, uh, had the most pressures. I almost had a sack in the game. And after that, my playing time dipped down. And then it just really, really got in my head and it got me down and all that. And, you know, after that season, I said, never again. I said, you know, I'm just going to give it my all and whatever happens, happens. And I, I wish I would have had that mindset early on in the season. Um, but, you know, once once halfway through the year when I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun and not care about anything. That's when I started playing better. That's when I started having fun. And at the end of the day, you can never take the fun out of football, right? Because when it's not fun anymore, you, you hate it. And, and, and that's, that should never be the case. So 
I learned a lesson at that point. And I'm just like, I'm not going to let anyone affect my happiness for anything, whether it's football, whether it's life, you know, you, you just got to enjoy it and take advantage of every opportunity you have. So that. Dude, I, no, no I, I love that because I was, you answered my follow-up for me was because I can only imagine, you know, you work so hard at something and you get yourself in a position to, to succeed. And then typically, uh, that part and that part of the opportunity meets all the work. Sometimes there's that little gap in there mm -hmm. and sometimes um, it takes patience or sometimes it's confusing or sometimes exactly. it's infuriating. Cause you're like, yeah. I'm for you personally, like I, yeah. I just balled out in training camp. I'm ready to go. I've done all the work that I needed to. I should just have this opportunity should just happen. And for it to be taken away from you, it's gotta be frustrating, man. How, oh, how yeah. can it not be? I mean, you're a human being. Um, but I think you, you found a really nice balance there of still like trying to appreciate what you love and realizing that maybe, you know, patience and opportunity can kind of go hand in hand because sometimes yeah. you're going to need that patience to get to that opportunity. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes yeah. the lack of opportunities means more patience and so on and so forth. Yeah. So uh, that's a cool way to think about it. And I'm, I'm glad that you were able to at least like get through that season and, and go crazy uh, and, yeah. and, and lose your mind in the process. So wait, real quick, hey. uh, Vi Vikings, uh, Vikings air horn, the bullhorn, the whole thing. Yay or yeah. nay? Where, where are we on that? You could be honest nah. with me. It's okay. Uh, nah, I, I, I never really liked it, to be honest with you. I, I thought like, uh, you know, the, the fans there were great, but, you know, everyone always asks, and this is not a knock to Minnesota at all, but um, I just think people really don't understand how great Bears fans are because like, you know, it, when you travel on the road, right. And you playing for Minnesota, there'd be Vikings fans there. But when we played on the road, when I was for the Bears, Bears fans take over whatever stadium it is. It's just a fact. We played uh, Monday night football, 2012 at Jerry's world against Dallas Cowboys with Tony Romo's quarterback. We put a beating on them, right. Defensively. We had like two pick sixes, um, defense really did the thing at the end of the game they're saying let's go bears i mean just taking over the stadium like anywhere we played it didn't matter if it was seattle it didn't matter if it was florida texas uh, arizona bears fans travel and you know there are some teams out there that travel but bears fans compared to, to um minnesota and detroit i mean there's nothing like bears fans in, in my opinion you know i mean just I think so many people are Bears fans from that 85 season. Like after that, there was just like, sure. you know, and all the stuff on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, Bears, yeah, you know, yeah. there's this, there's this such a cultural, you know, cult following of the Bears. And it, it's just incredible to see when you travel on the road and you're going into the uh, hotel and there's just loads of Bears fans waiting for you guys to be there. It's, it's just incredible. And uh, yeah, I think people don't realize like how, how great it is to play for a city like Chicago, like die hard, no matter if we're, you know, two, two and uh, two and 14 or, you know, four, 14 and two, like they will be there supporting you. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's, that's what I loved about Chicago. So when people always ask, Oh, who's your favorite team? Chicago by far, you know, I mean, once a bear, always a bear, you know, I was playing for some yeah. other teams, but it is not the same as Chicago. And, you know, I wish I could have played my whole career there. Um, but yeah, I think it was a thing like, you know, Phil Emery was there and I think he just wanted to clean house. I mean, I think after when he was there, 
I think we we had the biggest turnover of the Bears. I think like Kyle Long, Sherrick McManus, and Jay Cutler were like the only three Bears, I think in 2015 or 2016, I think it was right after Alshon went to Philly. And I think that was the biggest turnover out of any team. So it was like everyone that Jerry Angelo had drafted was gone, regardless of it. You know, you look dude, at guys I mean, like, dude, the way they treated Urlacher on the way out. Oh, was, I mean, was, come on, was, like, and I and I was just thinking too. You know, you're talking about Bears in the '80s, and it is really funny to think about. You know, the the power of that era and that time. And obviously, yeah. I grew up with it. I grew up at the at the knee of my dad. You know what I mean? Telling me all these stories about Dent and Hampton and Mongo yeah. and all this other stuff. Because the Bears were terrible in the '90s. I grew up with terrible, terrible Bears teams. I mean, and it was like, you know, just the same way the Cubs were. You just kind of ingrained the fandom in there without really feeling what the success is. And then when Urlacher came around, that's really when the identity of the whole thing kind of changed in that whole new era, that new linebacker and the long generation of Bears linebackers came back. And then, yeah, you were a part of a run that I feel like for those 12 to 14 years, I mean, I don't know if, about perennial playoff teams and stuff, but always in the mix, always 500, most likely over 500. You know, and Lovey was, what, 20-plus games over 500 as a coach? Yep. And then, as you said, when Emery came in, um, yeah, man, it was swift and painful, right? I mean, like, Tillman, Briggs, Urlacher, I mean, the way they treated Urlacher on the way out was just crazy, yeah. crazy to yep. me. And then, you know, they gave money to Lamar Houston, and it uh, didn't work out, and you know yeah. what I mean? So... Uh, my, oh, my final one for you is, uh, wait, who's the, was it Christian Ponder? Is he your quarterback in Minnesota? Uh, so no, it was, um, it was Teddy Bridgewater and, uh, Matt oh. Castle. Oh, okay. So Matt Castle started out the season, then he broke his foot and Teddy right. Bridgewater came. So yeah, those are the quarterbacks there, but yeah, Minnesota was, was, it was a cool place. Um, met a lot of cool people on the team. Um, you know, a lot of really nice people. The area was nice. But it's just it's just not the same as Chicago. I think I think people really don't understand um, unless you go to other places, like just what the culture is of Chicago Bears football. Like, you know, you you go like it's crazy because I'll, I'll go to um, Chicago now, you know, and people will run into oh Corey man love you, oh, yeah. you know. It's just like that's the effect. Like Chicago fans are diehard; they know everybody, right? Yeah, they know everybody. And I feel like other fans aren't the same way. You know, th- there's maybe some other fans, maybe like Pittsburgh or, or something. I was like about that. to say, like, I've been around. It's not like I've been in stadiums and at games, but I've been in yeah. you know different states and different around around different cultures. And obviously I live out here in L.A. And I will say that Pittsburgh is pretty intense yeah. in terms of being like a football town. I'll never forget, like, yeah. hanging out around there during a football season. You go to their hotels. And all their hotels are just draped in yellow and Steeler, yep. you know what I mean? Like literally like geared out for, yeah. for, and I was, I was impressed by that. I really was. And I'm sure Dallas, I'm sure they go crazy for their teams there, but no, yeah, man. I mean, Chicago bears and just the Chicago mentality, Chicago culture. Uh, oh, yeah. I've lived it's away incredible. from it for long enough to know that like, it wasn't just me kind of overhyping it and, and over um, sensationalizing it. It's, it's, it's a special thing for sure. Oh, and I'm so proud to be a part of it. I'm more proud to be a part of it than anything. Yeah, I know that that's that's what people always say, you know, like, oh, what teams do you play for? I always just say Chicago. You know, I I just say that because Wildcats. Yeah, Wildcats and Bears. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what matters. Right. Bear down forever. Um, You know, like you said, once a bear, always a bear. And it it, it was an honor and a privilege playing for the Bears and and some of the people I play with. uh, 
just just a surreal experience you know um yeah it was something something that i will never forget uh we got to get out of here i want to ask you one more quick one though when you so you're a long island kid you're from rutherford new jersey and you come to chicago either on your visit or go to northwestern for the first time do you remember what your like first like chicago style food was was it like an italian beef yeah. was it a dog was it a deep dish what was it and do you remember it being was like it was little manatis was it it was Lil yeah, yeah. the, uh, yes. the Chicago classic, right? Yes. You know, the butter crust with the, with the sausage in there. Um, That's what I yeah. get. That's yeah, what I get. It's, it's, it's the best, man. So that was that was our first uh, day there. We went there. Then we went to ESPN Zone. Remember how that used to be in the city? ESPN Zone. And then we went to uh, this place in, in Evanston. Yeah, Pete Miller's. Um a really good steakhouse um but yeah and then i think we did i think we did uh do an italian beef place uh i think we did al's i believe so yeah we got the whole chicago experience and then we did the uh, popcorn the garris popcorn because my dad he loves the popcorn so he got some of that um but yeah like i really fell in love with with chicago when i went out there i knew you know when i was getting recruited um it was between Boston College and Northwestern. I wanted to go to like a better academic school. Um, I knew a lot of people that went to Boston College from the East Coast, you know, Jersey. They were so I was like, yeah, let me see what Chicago's about. You know, I could be anywhere; it doesn't matter. Um, so I went on my visit, and literally all the guys were so down to earth, and that's what I loved about it because I went to some places like Louisville and you know NC State, place like that where. You know, people just just had egos, and it was just like oh, everything was about them. And I'm like, ah, I don't really vibe like that. So at Northwestern, uh, yeah, all the guys were cool, down to earth, and you know, they, they love football, but they were like, shoot, you know, I'm I'm gonna get my education too, and if, if it doesn't work out, I, I got a backup plan. And I, I really respected that because you know it's kind of hard to to ask a you know 17, 18 year old to think about his future. Um, you know, when everything he's focused on is, is football, right? Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, class is a component, but, you know, you're really focusing on football. And sometimes I think people make decisions based just on that. And I was looking at everything. I'm like, okay, let me go to a school. I can make the league from anywhere. We're playing in the Big Ten. We're playing against the best competition. I got almost like an Ivy League type education that I would get. Um, the connections here, the alumni, uh, players, um, and it was incredible. Um, yeah, I, I went there and I knew right away. I was like, you know, I was going to commit. And, and uh, Randy Walker was the coach at the time before Pat Fitzgerald. Oh, that's right. And he's the one that recruited me. And and when I was on the visit, he said, he used to say, are you going to buy the car? Like, are you going to commit? And uh-huh. I was like, ah, oh, I, I don't know yet. Uh, he's like, what you mean you don't know? And I was like, all right. And so on the way home, you know, I'm sitting with my parents and I'm like, yeah, I think I want to go to Northwestern. So then I got home and I called him. And I said, yeah, I'm going to commit or whatever. And that's, that's what we made it official. And uh, yeah, the rest was history. I mean, I have, you know, all, all the best men, all my groomsmen and best men, um, you know, well, my two best men were from my home hometown, but all my groomsmen were from college. Uh, three of my closest friends uh, still keep in touch with a lot of people from Northwestern. So it's always something that will be dear to me. The city of Chicago Northwestern, I know Evanston, but it's Chicago land area. Yeah, and the Bears, the great, right? thank you. The greatest Chicago land area. Well exactly. said. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's like out here in St. Louis. You know, if you're from the Burbs, you're from St. Louis. You know, every, everyone knows that. So, well, uh, yeah, dude, you, you made you made the right choice for sure. And you're bringing up something I think that is really special about Chicago that's underrated, 
where um, you get, I think, everyone from, you know, people live living in St. Louis, but there's a lot of people in southern Illinois, and there's a lot of people from mm. Iowa and Indiana and Wisconsin and Michigan and, uh, and all other walks of life and that don't necessarily have a metropolitan area super close to them that eventually move to Chicago and then make it their own. You know what I mean? It's exactly. not just about the state of Illinois and Chicago. Yeah. A lot of people come together from the Midwest to live in Chicago. And then yep. they never forget it. And then they, you know what I mean? And then they yeah. move on. I've, ne- I've never heard anyone say, especially if you go to Chicago in the summer or uh, springtime. Let's say summer, because summer is better. Uh-huh. I've never heard anyone say something negative about Chicago if you go into summertime. Oh, no, 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 no. Especially downtown. We're talking about other areas. Maybe, maybe there's some issues. But downtown, Chicago, oh, nothing, nothing like it in the summer. How did like, we used to do the thing of like, how dare you take a day off in the summertime? You know what I mean? Like if you're not doing something fun, if you're not working hard and you have yeah. some time off, you got to be out there and soak yep. this up. And that's the whole thing. People come out of the woodwork and they have a great time in Chicago because there's only so many days. You only get so many of them, Corey. And there's only one Chicago. <laughs> there is only one. And there's only one Chicago Bears. And this was Believe in Bears. Uh, Bears Vikings preview for week 18 seasons almost over but make sure you stick around next week for com- coming back we're going to give you a full offseason preview break down who we want our next Bears head coach to be maybe some offseason selections maybe some draft options we're going to go through the whole thing and get you prepped and primed for the offseason uh, today's episode is presented by betonline.ag you get 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use promo code believe b-l-e-a-v but until then, uh, follow me at Twitter and Instagram at Joey Sports Guy. Thank you so much for following along all season long. Uh, the audience and the viewership has been going up slowly, 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 even during the losing streak. So we're super proud and thankful for that. Um, and hopefully we're going to have plenty more great pods coming up in the near future. Until then, former Bears defensive end Corey Wooten. Uh, take us home on another great pod, my friend, and Happy New Year to yeah, you. Yeah, man. So always a lot of fun. We got one more of these uh, to, to iron out the season. Uh, hopefully we get a dub. Um, I'm just excited for the future, to be honest with you. I'm excited. Uh, you know, that's why I can't wait till the season to, for the season to be over. I'm excited, really, for the offseason and to get things going. And, and we're going to talk more about that next week. Um, but it's been a pleasure, as always. And, uh, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. At Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's-2-T's-O-N. And, uh, yeah, love you guys' feedback. Love love the viewership and listenership. Um, yeah, we just try to give you our best and have fun with it as always, man. It's always a pleasure with you. Well said, my friend. Everyone be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. Have a great weekend. Go Bears. Bear down. And then we're going to come back and convene, and we're going to fix this thing, baby, because we are, we are opening up our Super Bowl window starting next Monday. Uh, until then, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.